Well, last week we started um, this little series called um, Breakable Barriers, and we said that in this series we wanted to look at different barriers that each one of us experiences where we, um, you know, we go into and we uh, you know, maybe have these things in our lives that, that hinder us from really living the life that God has called us to live. And so breakable barriers, what we want to th- um, focus on in that is saying that, yes, here's the barrier, but we shouldn't see it as a barrier that we cannot break free from or that we cannot break through. And so what I want to try to do in this series is just take some time and talk about, unpack that barrier that we're going to look at, but then also talk about what is the flip side, what is maybe the opposite, or what is the thing that we would maybe need to break through that barrier, And all of us in this church have different barriers that we face. And last week we talked about insecurity and how insecurity for some people has become such a big barrier in their lives that they wrestle with doing what what God has called them to do because they become insecure about themselves and and they wrestle with really believing the best about themselves. And we, we talked about this critical inner voice that will be yelling at you all the time and and will say things that are negative and will critique you and criticize you. And so then we said that the, the flip side of insecurity is confidence. And that we need to be confident in who God has made us to be. But, but we also, if you remember, we talked about the fact that confidence can be a little bit of a tricky thing. Because if we place our confidence in the wrong place, then the very thing that we are now confident in will become the main source of our insecurity. And we looked at things like careers and finances and education, and there could be many, many different things that we could look at and say, I have placed my confidence in this, but if something should happen in this area of my life, my confidence in myself would be completely removed, and suddenly we find that the very thing that we've placed our confidence in then becomes the source of our insecurity. So we talked about the importance then of placing our confidence in Jesus, And then we unpacked very quickly, we looked at and said, well, what is it about Jesus that gives us confidence? And the argument that I wanted to make, and I think we made, was that the reason we can place our confidence in Jesus, in the area of insecurity especially, is because he's never changing. And so much of your insecurity and my insecurity are around the whole concept of change, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if they don't like me? What, you know, all these things that are kind of up in the air. Well, how beautiful to know that with Jesus, he is constant. He never changes. And so we can place our confidence in him, not only because he's all-powerful and all-knowing and all-present, but even you know, in the area of insecurity, all, even more so because he doesn't change. You don't have to wake up in the morning wrestling with, well, who is God going to be today? He is always the same. And so this morning we want to talk about fear. And this, I think, is one that um, God has laid on my heart for a significant amount of time. One, because I think so many of us wrestle with fear. And when we think about the world today, and we think about different things that are going on, maybe in family dynamics and, and, and all these different changes or, and stuff that maybe we can't quite wrap our minds around sometimes, it's easy for us to become you know, very fearful. And so I want to talk to us this little bit this morning about, you know, fear. And I think we could spend all morning today just outlining and listing different things people are fear of and fearful of. Fear is an interesting thing because on the one hand, we're told in Scripture, serve the Lord with fear. In Psalms chapter 2, verse 11. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, continue to work out your salvation with fear in trembling. So on the one hand, we're told, 
You know, you are to serve the Lord with fear. And there's many more verses that talk, talk about fearing the Lord. Or the fear of the Lord is. You've read those kind of verses. And so on the one hand, when we talk about fear, we have to understand that there is obviously some different kinds of fears. Because in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, it says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So obviously not all fear is the same. And so if you're listening this morning and as we talk about fear, it's going to be important that you are able to distinguish between the fears that we are talking about. Not all fear is the same. There's a fear out there that's called the holy fear or a holy fear, which is a particular kind of fear which should never be confused with the fear that we normally have. So what is a holy fear? Holy fear is a fear that is inspired by love and reverence for a person or a thing. I found this quote. It says, When we genuinely love another person, we will live inside a healthy anxiety, a worry that our actions should never grossly disappoint, disrespect, or violate the other person. We live in holy fear when we are anxious not to betray a trust or disrespect someone. But this is very different. But this is a very different from being afraid of somebody or being afraid of being punished. So this fear, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, this is the kind of fear that is motivated. A holy fear is motivated by love and reverence. And if you have a love and reverence for a person, you may fear them in a sense of saying, I don't want to do anything that would displease this person. Now all we need to do then for us this morning is, is obviously tag God into that and say, we have a holy fear of God. We have a fear of God in the sense that in me, I desire to never disappoint God. I desire to live my life in such a way that God is pleased with me. Not that I'm cowering and, and scared because he may punish me and hurt me, but rather because I want to live my life pleasing to him. That is a holy fear. And that is a fear that is highly and strongly supported and encouraged in Scripture. This is very different from the fear that most of us experience on a daily basis. This kind of a holy fear, a reverent fear, is very, very different than the fear that many of us here would have on a regular basis. Most of us associate fear with punishment. We may even associate fear with, you know, we've done something wrong, or I hope I don't do something wrong, because if, some, if I do something wrong, something bad will happen to me. And, or is something that's out of my control, and because it's out of my control, who knows what will happen. The fear that most of us experience is very, very dif different than, you know, the holy fear that we were just talking about. Now, how many of us, and I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many of us in this room haven't at one point or another struggled with fear. And here's the interesting thing. We've struggled with fear even when we aren't in any real danger. Think about that for a moment. Most of us at one point or another have maybe even been fairly fearful. And if we would pause at that moment and say, hold on, time out. Am I actually in danger? We would probably say, no, no, there's no real danger to you, but we are still very fearful. Henry Nouwen, he says that in today's world, we have become a fearful people. Instead of being focused on the perfect love that casts out fear, we often spend all of our focus and energy on the things around us that we could fear 
or the things that cause us fear. And so I trust if you're here today and say, yeah, I would have to agree with Henry. Now I have become somewhat of a fearful person. That this morning, maybe, as we go through this, well, I believe it can happen, that we would begin to find ways to um, work through these fears. Another interesting thing is that we have irrational fears that create fear. Or sorry, irrational beliefs that create fear. This can happen at any age. But the reality is this, that for many people, this irrational belief, this, this moment in our lives when we begin to create fear, we have these irrational beliefs about ourselves or whatever it may be, that we actually begin to create fears. Uh, for many people, this happens in the middle age crisis. Or in the middle age, I shouldn't call it a crisis, sorry. In the middle age time. Now, I'm in there with you. So if some of you are right now going, oh great, here we go. But I don't know if any of you ever listen to Brian Regan. He's a comedian. Anybody? Anybody? No. Yeah, he's a fantastic comedian. He, he does this little thing where he says, you know, he wakes up in the morning, and this is his quote. You wake up in the morning and you realize, oh yeah, I hurt. You know, it's like everything, you get to a certain age and you're like, you wake up in the morning like, oh yeah, my back shot, you know, or my knee's still sore, whatever it is. And hair starts growing in places that shouldn't grow and it doesn't grow in places where, you, where it should grow. And, and you know, and how many of us, you know, let's be honest here, how many of us can remember the first time we realized that ear hair was now going to be a thing in our lives? Come on, ladies. No, oh. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. You know, that moment when you're sitting at home, you're maybe watching a TV show, and all of a sudden you're like, what in the, what in the, and you go over to the mirror, and you look, and you're like, there's a forest, literally, growing out of your ear, and the thing that really gets you is the fact that the loved ones around you said nothing, you know, and you just really wonder, like, now how long has this been going on here, and uh, now look at all the, everybody, mm-hmm, yeah, no, 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 no problem. I, I, I took care of it this morning. We're good. But, um, you know, we have these things in our lives. You know, our bodies begin to make weird noises. I'm not talking about that noise. You know, um, I was a while ago, I was just putting my socks on and just pulled. I'm like, what? And I'm like, you know, come on. I'm not the only weird guy in the room. I know this. For sure. you, you get there and you're like all quiet. And you're like, what is that? You know? I was listening, and my hip is cracking like it needs, like a uh, you know, liter of oil or whatever it is. And you literally begin to think to yourself, and your brain, you know, these, we're making light of this, but if there's other things going on in your life, all of a sudden you're like, my goodness. You know, someone was joking with me this morning. It's like, oh, you're getting old. You can't remember anything. And I looked at the guy, and like, who are you? You know, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, but, you know, you get into these stages of your life, and you're, you, different things start to happen, and you have this irrational belief that maybe you're not good enough anymore. Maybe you can't do this anymore. Maybe you're actually really, you should be concerned, and it creates these different fears. And we could go on and on about the middle age, and, you know, life. And, and most of us, you know, when we think of this time in our lives, all of our heroic stories are from the past, you know, and you tell all these stories, my kids get so sick and tired of volleyball season because they're like, oh great, here comes dad, you know, has to tell a story about how there was a time in his life where he could jump and hit a ball, <laughs> you know, amazing, now he just jumps and hopes he lands, you know, okay, uh, you know, and so we all have these things, but in the middle age of, for many of us, and for many of you in this room today, middle age season is a time where we can become a very fearful people. 
Now, there's many other ages and, and brackets and, and those things, so I'm not speaking here now only to those of us in that category. But these are years when we may discover that we have an illness. We may discover that our parents are not going to live forever. And we may discover this, and we may discover this, and we get into the teenage years, and, and we're going to have to be careful that our irrational belief system doesn't create fears in us, or we don't create irrational beliefs that create fears in us that are, made, uh, that are not healthy. Fear can be present in every area of our lives. And if we are perfectly honest, most of us would have to admit that our fears have sometimes driven us to do things that we didn't want to do. Or our fears have often driven, um, were driven by something that hasn't even happened yet. We're not really in danger, but our fears are driving us. As a matter of fact, some would argue that all of our fears are driven by something that hasn't happened. You know, you're fearful of this, you're fearful of that. In reality, none of those things have taken place yet, but we are fearful about the things that could happen. So let me just throw a list of fears out there for you. Maybe you can identify with some of these. The fear of failure, and this is a big one. This is a big one for me. I think this is a big one for most of us. Fear of failure. I'm going to get it wrong. I'm going to disappoint people. I'm going to, I'm going to whatever it might be. Fear of the future, of war, of rejection, of intimacy. You know, fear of uh, um, success even. What am I going to do if things go really well? And oh my goodness, now there's going to be so much expectation on me. Responsibility conflict, fear of being meaningless. And I think I've definitely had my conversations with people who are like, I, there's no point to my life. I, you know, I've outgrown certain things that, you know, I used to, you know, be involved in. And what's the purpose of my life now? This fear of being meaningless, fear of change. And the list could go on and on and on. Gary Collins wrote an amazing book, and, and he says in that book, he says, these fears build up in our minds and create extreme anxiety, even in the absence of real danger. Know this, that this morning, you can experience real fear, even in the absence of any real danger. And I would say the same that, you know, I would say to other people, is that fear that you have is a real fear that you have to learn to process. You can't just dismiss it and say, it's nothing. For you, it's a real fear, and you're going to need to process it. Then we get into what I kind of uh, talked about before a little bit. We get into irrational fear. Irrational fear is a fear that is, uh, a fear that is, that is out of proportion to the danger or the situation that we are in. If you struggle with an abnormal level, level of anxiety or fear, it is very important that you would go and speak to someone because a person who struggles with an irrational fear, their fear is way out of proportion to what the danger even is or what the situation is. This kind of fear is a fear that is not from God. And Maria alluded to this verse before in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. David Meyer in his book, a psychology textbook, uh, he writes, Fear is a poisonous emotion. It can torment us, rob us of sleep, and preoccupy our thinking. He says people can be literally scared to death. Fear can also be contagious. Now, I don't want to talk about this too much, but 
It's important for us to know that, that the fear that we have, that we need to have an understanding of that fear because fear can be learned. A fear that you may have is maybe a fear that someone taught you. Maybe the fear that you have is not rational or it's irrational because of the fact it really has nothing to do with you. But because you were taught this fear, you now have this fear. For an example, and this is a, a, a simple one, if a parent is afraid of dogs, there's a very good chance their kids will be afraid of dogs. Not because the, do- the kids have ever been in danger of dogs, but because of the way that the parent responded to dogs. And the kids were watching, and the kids looked at that and said, clearly, there's something about dogs I should be worried about. And so they become, they learn to fear dogs. And we, I think all of us here in this room, may have examples in our lives of fears that we may have learned from others. So this is a very important thing for us to be careful with the fears that we have. Was this a fear that I have personally experienced? Is there a reason for this fear? Or is this simply a fear that someone has taught us? So what do we do with the fear that we experience? What do we do with the fear that we have in our lives? We talked last week about the, still, the critical inner voice. And in the area of fear, this critical inner voice is going to work overtime in your life. This critical voice is a negative, will create negative mental scenarios for you. And you're going to sit there and you're going to think, well, what's going to happen with this? What's going to happen with this? And this critical inner voice will say things to you like, everyone is going to hate you if you do this. Everyone is going to think bad of you. No one is going to like you. Everyone's watching. You can't do this. And it will create this mental scenario, and you've probably all been there, and you look at this situation that you're afraid of or the situation that you hope not to get involved in, and you're going to sit there, and your critical inner voice is going to run through that tape over and over and over and tell you everything that could possibly go wrong and everything that's wrong with you that could make this even worse to the point where you become so afraid, even though there is no physical danger, there's no real danger, you become so afraid of because what your critical inner voice is saying to you that you just stop altogether in what you were called to do. Anxiety and fear feed off each other. They really do. A number of years ago, um, I had a kidney stone. Sorry, if you had kidney stones, you're like, oh, oh, you know, instantly. But I just want to use this illustration as an example of, of how this works. I had a kidney stone a number of years ago. And I don't want to make light of this, but to this day, if I have lower back pain just under the ribs, I have to literally tell myself, Ike, you are not having another kidney stone. Relax. Now, you may look at that and say, silly. Because it sounds so strange when it's someone else's situation. But I wonder what your story would be. What is the thing in your life that when something happens, your brain immediately says, oh, here we go again. It's the same thing. You're in trouble. Do this, do this. And it's an irrational fear. Now, because we know that God has not given us a spirit of fear, we may want to, and I think it's important for us to recognize that this may also be then a demonic attack. That if the devil knows And because he knows how powerful the emotion of fear is and the influence that fear can have in our lives, we must assume then that he's going to use this for his advantage. We must assume then that when we become fearful of something, that this may be a demonic attack. This may simply be Satan saying, 
I'm going to stop you from doing what you need to do, and all I'm going to do is create fear in you. 2 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, we've read this verse many times. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So it's important for us then to be aware. And James chapter 4, verse 7 says, submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So it's important for us then to be aware of the fact that our fears may be driven by our enemy who would love for us to be so focused on our fear that it hinders us from doing what God has called us to do. So let's look really quickly then. What is the flip side of fear? Last week we said the flip side of insecurity was confidence. And this week I want to say that the flip side of fear is courage. So what's courage? Courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. That's a very basic definition. But courage is the ability to do something that's, that frightens you. General George Patton um, a famed World War II tank commander said this. I think this is also a beautiful definition of fear. He says, fear is uh, courage, sorry, courage is fear holding on a minute longer. Fear, courage is fear holding on a minute longer. If you give in to your fears, you are on the path to defeat. And if instead you stand strong in spite of your fears, you are on the path of victory. I think most of us would remember the story of Moses leading the people out of Israel. And with him was this young man, Joshua, who, who was present during much of that journey. And then we find in Joshua chapter 1, Moses has passed away. And Joshua is around 80 years old by this time. And it's possible that he's dealing with a lot of anxiety because he has looked and he has seen how the people treat Moses, and if they're willing to rebel against Moses, what will they do to him? And, and we don't really know all of the anxiety or the fears that Joshua had, but it would appear that his fears would have, were pretty great because look at what God says to him in Joshua chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 5. He says, Now no one will be able to stand against you all the day of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws of my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from them to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of this law. Keep this book of the law always in, on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? And I wonder if this morning God is commanding you and I. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will, for the Lord your God will, uh, will be with you wherever you you go. God knows what your fears are. God knew what Joshua's fears are. And so be strong and courageous. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with fear and maybe you're, you're thinking through your life and you have irrational fears or you just have this fear that is constantly, constantly at your doorstep, God is challenging you and I this morning to be strong and courageous. So what will courage ask of you? Because it's easy for you and I to say, oh yeah, I need, to, I need to have courage. Well, what will courage ask you to do? I want to give you just three quick things that I think courage may ask you to do. First, courage will ask you to face 
your fears. You cannot have courage and run from your fears. Instead of avoiding the source of your fears, we will face them head on. When we avoid dealing with our fears, we give that portion, or whatever it may be, we give that portion of our lives over to our fears. Maybe you need to make that appointment with your doctor and have that conversation. Maybe you need to make that appointment with somebody and have that talk. Maybe you need to bring your family together and face whatever fear, whatever challenge, whatever it is that you are afraid of, and stop avoiding the fear and take that fear head on. When we avoid our fear, it just prolongs it and prolongs it. Number two, courage is going to challenge you and ask you, to change your thinking, to change your thinking. Remember, most fears are about what has not happened yet. So it's very important for you and I then to think through and to control our thinking, to be careful with what we allow that critical inner voice in our lives to say. So we take and we change our thinking. Instead of saying, you can't do it, you say to yourself, I can do it because there's no reason I can't do it. Everyone's going to hate you. Instead of saying that to yourself, you say, why would everyone hate me? Everyone's going to be against you. They have no reason to be against me. There may be other people who feel the same way as I do, and you change the way you think. If you're going to give in to the critical inner voice, it will always tell you the worst about yourself or the situations that you are in. And then the third thing, it's very, very important then that you view your fears through Scripture. I was trying to find a nicer way to say this, but this whole concept of taking your fear through the lens of Scripture that you look at your fear no longer just in your own abilities or your inabilities, but you rather look at your fears through the lens of Scripture, through the, how Scripture speaks to them. Look at some of the things that Scripture says to us. Philippians 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. Psalms 23, verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of darkness, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Isaiah 53, or 35, verse 4. Say to these with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear. Your God will be with you. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. So I trust that as you go from here today, that you will take on the challenge and that you will allow courage to reign in your life and that you will stand against fear, that you will change your thinking, and that you will process your fears through what Scripture says. Amen. As you listen to this sermon this morning by Pastor Ike, maybe you realize that there's a fear that you need to address. We are praying that this series will help you break through the barriers in your life. We'd love to pray for you, so please contact the office either by email, phone, fill fill out a care card, or you can go online to dearrun.church slash prayer. We look forward to hearing from you. And just a quick reminder that starting point is in room 13 after the service. See you all tonight at 6 p.m. God bless you, and you are all dismissed.